Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, Kool-Aids. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's episode, we're going to do a resuming of my Barca weekend, as that included going to the Femini match and, of course, going to the Valencia match where Barcelona got the crucial three points. But before we get into all that, a quick word from our sponsor, NordVPN. Are you tired of hackers and cyber criminals snooping around your online activities? Do you want to safely access your favorite shows and content from anywhere in the world? Then you need NordVPN, the best VPN on the market. And the good news is that there's an exclusive birthday deal just for you. Buy NordVPN now and win extra subscription time. With NordVPN, you can protect your online activity and keep your private information away from prying eyes. And if you're traveling abroad, don't worry. Connect to a NordVPN server in your home country and safely enjoy content as if you never left. So what are you waiting for? Visit nordvpn.com Barca now to get this special birthday deal. Shield your data from snoops and criminals with NordVPN's state-of-the-art encryption. Safely listen to podcasts, stream shows, or simply browse in complete privacy. Again, visit nordvpn.com Barca. The link is in the show notes. Get NordVPN now and enjoy a safe and private online experience. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So this past weekend, I headed to Barcelona to meet up with the North American Peña Tour. And what a weekend. Uh, I arrived on Saturday. Most of them already arrived on Friday. And it was such a great time. So first, I got to give out a huge, huge shout out to Victor Valencheck, who organized all this. Huge props to Victor. I, I met Victor, it feels like a lifetime ago now since I started the podcast. And the way he was able to organize all the events... It was flawless. Everyone had a great time. We were able to get, I think, 40 to 50 of us to go to the feminine match and as well as the men's match. And we had a great time as well. We did a bar crawl and we also just hung out. And it was really cool to meet other Kool-Aids from the U.S. who love this team as much as I do. And to hear everyone's point of view and talk football, talk shop was truly 
a fun, fun weekend. So if you have the opportunity next year to join this tour, I'd highly recommend it. It is so much fun. Everyone from San Francisco, Houston, uh, New York, uh, I mean, people from everywhere. And it was and it was fantastic. It was really great to, to meet uh, new new people and just like I said, just talk shop. It was it was so much fun. I have to give another shout out to to the San Francisco peeps, uh, Remy, Megan, Matt, and Rob. We we had a good time yesterday after the match, uh, hanging out in Little Germany, as we like to call it, Little Vienna, and so that was a lot of fun. So really, just a lot of fun meeting everyone, talking football. I was able to meet some of them as well last week in Madrid, as some of them went to the Clasico. So again, just just. Huge, huge props to Victor for putting this all together. Now, we went to the Femini match yesterday, and first one I'm going to do for both matches, I'm going to give my impressions of seeing what I saw in person, and then obviously give you some of the topics that I want to talk about for each. The first thing yesterday was with the Femini match. The Femini played via Real. We all headed to the uh, Johan Cruyff study, and wow. I can't remember the last time I was that enthused about football where all of us were jumping out of our seats with almost every goal. And it was so much fun to watch. If you do go to Barcelona, please, please, please make sure you go to watch the women. It is a fantastic timeout. It's so like intimate and it's awesome. It's an awesome experience. And I got to say, this <laughs> This team is relentless, and I love every bit about it. Again, there's some players that just, you know, when you're watching TV, sure, they, they spot out. But in person, it's just something else. And some of these players I'm going to highlight. I mean, Paduelio, I, I'm, I can't say her name right, but she is a Spanish international here, and she plays right wing. And good God, her in person, she has the perfect mixture of physicality, pace and awareness for goal her set her the second goal she scores is on a give and go curler that is just beautiful where we all jumped out of our seats and we were on the far end so we didn't see it very close but when you know it's a golasso you know it's a golasso so she is definitely a, a huge find she played in Villarreal last season and she is definitely going to be the future for the feminine and the other player that we could not get enough of was Graham Hansen, Carolyn Graham Hansen. Wow, 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 wow. She is a woman among girls. I mean, she just comes in. She's coming in from injury, comes in, scores a hat trick. But the hat trick is just so impressive because the moves, the control. But most importantly, on the second one, for example, we were on that angle where we were able to see the shot, puts her head down, technically sound puts it on the on the side net i mean the th as a former striker as i used to be that watching that was one of the things of beauty i haven't seen in a long time and just to hear the thud it was such a beautiful goal so graham hansen she is back and that is definitely a lift for the feminine as they head into the champions league run here but man this team I mean, we were we were all you know giving high fives. We were jumping out of our seats. We were so, oh man, it was it was so much fun to watch this team. And you know, this this spurred on a debate about how the women compare to the men because obviously we went to the men's game after, and you know, it's it's a different setting. Uh, the team's in a different performance route right now. You know, the feminine have barely lost a game and barely allowed a goal even. And I think it is they have mastered 
what we deem the Barcelona style, but for modern time, right? So the way they have the possession, check, they, they do the possession, the passing that they do and controlling. But the other thing they take to the limit is they take shots and they are risky with the ball and attack. And that is something I think the men have to do more of, and which we're going to talk about yesterday's match. But again, there were so many times where it's not just to have possession just to keep it away from the defense, but it's also to score goals. And ultimately, that is what we want to see Barcelona do, both men and women. And I think, especially when Graham Hansen came in, you know, a lot of these players are coming from international break, so coach was taking it easy with them, and I think that's that's always a smart idea. But as soon as Graham Hansen comes in, I mean, she's a starter, you can just tell she was hungry for goal, and she was just ready to go. And But it wasn't her, just her. It was also Gacy who came in. It was also um, Paruelo, who I said scored the second goal. Oshwala, I mean, she's always lurking for goal. So it's these mentality that the front three have that they want to all score. And I think that's where we lack a little bit in the men's side, for example, especially when we think about the output of goals and the way we want to take risk going forward. The other thing, too, with the women, I mean, I just really hope they continue to win and have the success because, you know, it's almost the women are just as important for the growth of the sport at a young foundation. It's not only the men. Obviously, the men are the most popular. I get that. But also the accessibility that the women have is incredible. And the way they are able to give their time afterwards and sign autographs, I think, is huge. And not only developing the game for young girls, but also just helping the image of this club. And as we were talking among us, it's just fantastic that FC Barcelona have really took it upon themselves, especially in the last years, to really elevate the women's game and really put that importance into it as well, right? Because the stadium is really nice. They have, you know, PA systems. They have they have everything, you know, and it's a really good experience. The last thing I just want to talk about being, you know, how much I miss playing, you know, just even on weekends, essentially, is the way the Femini pass. There's this something about the way the ball rolls onto that grass. And if you played, you know what I'm talking about. It's when you hit that pass so crisp and so accurate where barely, you know, it barely bounces. And the women just do that so effortlessly, and I love it. It's one of those things where when you're watching a person, it's, you know, one of the things I take in is the rhythm of the passing, but more importantly, the first touch and the accuracy of how they pass. And the women just do that flawlessly. The way the ball just barely bounces is, oh my God, I love it. I love it because that is the sign of how good you are really, you know, the type of passing without bounce to allow your teammate to have a really strong first touch and to be able to not worry about the chaos that could come from a bouncing ball. So those were my impressions of the match. Obviously, the the women won 5 nothing. They're rolling. Now, obviously, it's going to be extreme pressure into the Champions League, which they are approaching. So we'll see how they handle that. But I have complete confidence because this team has depth. As we were talking, they have Walsh, who maybe doesn't even start, and she is a world-class player. So again, many questions. But again, I'm really hopeful that they're going to have a strong Champions League run, especially learning from what they did in the final against Lyon last season. All right, let's skip to the men. So we hopped on a bus and headed to the Camp Nou. And, you know, obviously a great experience. We we all go into our seats. And it's it's one of those things when I go to a match, you I just forget how much I am 
attached to my devices when I'm watching the game at home. I have Twitter. Uh, I have the WhatsApp group, and I'm you know checking everything to see what's going on with the match. And in yesterday's match, I was debating whether to listen to the radio, and I decided not to because I just wanted to soak it in and take it in. And again, the camp knows still, you know, it's still a magical place to go watch a match, especially when there's so many people like there was last night. I think there was 89,000 yesterday. There's just, it's just one of those football cathedrals and it still is magical to go. I think it was my 10th match yesterday and I still can't believe that. I, I sometimes have to pinch myself now because, you know, now it's not as, you know, when I first went, it was still a magical experience. It still is. But now you're just getting to the routine of it. And I just, it's funny how that works out now. You know, you're like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, a half an hour before as opposed to two hours before. I'm going to find my seat and, you know, just take it all in. We got in, obviously, my impressions that I want to point out for this match, as I did with the Femini. Kunde, for me, is one of those players that I was excited to see in person. He is everything as advertised. I know that, you know, especially, you know, seeing the the summaries today and seeing everyone's opinion that Kunde's passing wasn't that great yesterday, I agree. But there's something about his physical presence, his running, that stands out in person. He covers so much ground so easily. He's in the attack. He's there for support. It's really flawless how he's playing right back. And I think we have to give him even more credit because we're just taking it for granted, I think, of what he has transitioned from center back to right back for most of these matches. Now, could he concentrate a little bit harder to make sure he has better passing efficiency? Sure. I think that will come. But his positioning, his ability to recover balls, and also the way he works with Arahu is is really incredible. And the other one is Arahu. Arahu is a beast out there. He covers so much ground. Those two on that side, they are a vortex now, and they basically shut down half of the field with their ability to communicate, work with each other really well. They complement each other. I know a couple of times Arahu was... Uh, yelling at Kunde a couple times, which, you know, it's funny because you don't get to see all that on TV. You get to see everything in person. And the way they work together, it seems that they have a really good partnership. And that was very impressive with me. And then obviously the the last person on the defense was Balde. Balde in person, oh my baby. Like this guy is so good. The way he's able to run, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a huge fan of Balde, but seeing him in person on top of, you know, this back line is just it's impressive. And his speed alone and the way he's able to cover and he just looks really comfortable back there. And the more time he gets, the more experience he gets, he's just going to he's going to thrive even further. His next his ability to do the 1v1s and to do that really confidently is something that he's basically Jordi Alba now 2.0 because Jordi Alba could take in a couple attacks here and there but he was never really great 1v1 taking someone off the ball but Balde man he he can take people on he has that confidence and I think if he develops a shot from outside the box he'll be lethal those were the players that stood out now the opposite uh, Ferran Torres now I don't know if this is my bias because I'm on I'm off the Ferran Torres train I've been off it for a while but watching him in person, yeah, he had some moves last night. But there's something about his body language to me that just I, I don't get it. And, you know, obviously we saw the the mishap with the penalty kick yesterday. And 
he had some really bad passes yesterday that almost led to a goal. I don't know what the deal is with him. I don't know if he is a Barca player for the future. I just don't see it. And to me, I know that he does. He does. I saw it in person. He does a really great job on tracking on defense, on countering. I, he does all that. But ultimately, it's goals. And he just doesn't score enough goals for me to merit a spot. Now, could he be a backup player to, let's say, obviously Lewandowski or another winger that we brought in? Sure. But at what cost? That's the thing. I don't know if he is willing or, yeah, if he's willing to stay as a backup role. And, I, and he's had lots of opportunities. And this is the thing. In football, you are given these opportunities and what do you do with it? He's now been able to have these minutes, and he still hasn't really scored. He's Yeah, he's had a couple dangerous plays against Kylie's. That's one opponent. But we need more consistency. And so I don't know where his future lies. And I was really disappointed in his performance yesterday. Rafinha, I was okay with seeing him in person yesterday. I thought he had some really good moves. Obviously, the goal that he scored with the from the assist from Busquets. But at the same time... I think with Rafinha, like he, I just want him to make the one move and do what he needs to do. I think that's ultimately where he thrives. Now, he had a couple chances where he had some really nice crosses, and that's when he does it. He only did the one move and then crossed. When he starts to dance too much, I feel that's where he gets into a lot of trouble, loses the ball. And especially late in the game where we needed him to hold again, especially when we were down a man, he wasn't able to do that. And again, Rafinha has yet to play 90 minutes. I know he ran out of gas yesterday, and I'm, I'm glad that we gave Alacorcon a, a chance there to, to get some minutes. But again, Rafinha, again, I think obviously that's not his, his, his best role as a holdup <laughs> forward. You know, that's not his role. He's a speedster winger that tries to be people 1v1 on the, on the width. But again, I think if he can learn how to manage and close out matches, I think he'll ultimately be a weapon because if he can hold the ball and then understand when to go and when not to, I think that ultimately is always going to be a better option. I think that's it for first impressions of what I saw yesterday. Again, it was such a stressful match because, you know, as we were talking with my San Francisco homies yesterday, this team isn't good enough to have so many absences, right? You know, before you could plug and play a couple players here and we would still be good because we always had world-class players to hide that. Right now, yesterday, for example, when Frankie Dion came out, wasn't sure if that was injury, but it seems as it, as it was because he had some hamstring issues. But again, making these substitutions and but also having a strategy behind success, right? You know, when we talk about these substitutions that come in, now all of a sudden you're playing with players that haven't played with with each other and you're expecting them to have a really good performance. And to me that's where the lack of experience for Xavi is where he still needs to make adjustments because this team still isn't far superior just to walk along and beat Valencia. Valencia had some opportunities. Araujo got a red card on the last chance on a bad pass give up, you know, those are going to happen in the matches, right? But it's how we go forward and evolve and make these changes. We were we were so puzzled by all the changes 
that happened yesterday. You know, people in my row, there was a kid next to me, right? A, like 12-year-old Catalan boy just talking so much smack, okay, about the substitutions. I loved it because I agreed with everything he was saying. For example, he's like, uh, you know, when, when uh, Dion comes out, he's like, no, what I said, you know, like Dion can't come out. And he's like talking to his dad because basically what happened is we had split seats. And so like his dad was in a row below us and they were speaking to each other and it was hilarious. And then obviously when the Ferran Torres PK situation happened, the kid kind of looked at me a little bit. And he said, eh, Ferran Torres is going to miss. And I said, I know, I know. And he did. And he did. So this kid was amazing to sit next to. He had some really good football insight. That's the thing. This team just isn't good enough right now to mix and match as easily as we did. And so there has to be some sort of more thought and strategy to have ultimate performance and success going forward. The last thing I just want to talk about is this Busquets situation. Now, word came out today that Barcelona are looking to extend him a year, and I just don't get it. Again, yes, he made a nice assist yesterday. I get that. I get that. But there is no way that Busquets should still be playing all these matches outright. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And when are we going to let go of the past and move on with the future? With Busquets still there for another year, it's going to hinder a spot and it's going to further delay what we need this midfield to go forward with. Now, you know my opinion about Busquets. I love him to death, okay? But it's time for him to move on. And that's my opinion. I'm ready for a full-on youth movement, and I want that. I want players who are going to cover. Now, watching him in person, it proved everything I already knew, that he lumbers around still. Of course, when he doesn't have Pedro and Gavi, he has to do more work, and you can really see the efficiency or inefficiency of him trying to cover those gaps. Now, I'm not trying to say all of it's on Busquets, not at all. But at the same time, it's, to me, we just need to move on. We need to move on. And I would rather want to see, if we're going to use a three midfield, I wanted to see Dion, Gabby, and Pedri. That's what I want to see. That excites me, okay? And then, if you want to have Busquets for another year, but do not have him as the outright starter all the time. I think if you want to close games with him and give him the last 15 minutes, I think he could really thrive on that because asking Busquets to basically play hard for 15 minutes as opposed to, Holding out for 90, I think that's where more value comes in. But Xavi still has this issue of having so much confidence with the with the vets on this team when it comes down to Alba, Marcus Alonso, and Busquets. So that's pretty much what happened yesterday. Great day of football, doubleheader. It was a little bit rough at the morning because <laughs> we had to get up early and the night before we were out very, very late. But we, we, you know, we're professionals. We were able to do it. Now, I have a couple questions from patrons, and there's some good ones. We got three, we've got three good questions here. So the first one, let's start with Keegan, and he says, do you see a role for Eric Garcia going forward? Now, he came into the match yesterday, and I thought when he came into the match, I thought he was going to help out in the midfield. I think that's where we needed the help yesterday. But, yeah, I, I do see a role for him. And as we are injured right now, I believe that he could be used in the midfield. And I think ultimately that is a role that should be explored because I don't trust him in the last line of defense. 
I think he still makes too many mistakes on the last line. And I think being a midfielder or more of a defensive midfielder, he's able to be physical and not have to be the last line. And I think that's where he ultimately could thrive. Now, I don't know where this goes forward because, uh, for example, I don't know if Xavi is willing to play around with that idea. And who knows how long, let's say, De Jong's out. You know, obviously we have Pedri out. But I think that's where we need some motor. We need some legs in the in the midfield. You know, ultimately, always the midfield is the motor of the team, especially playing, you know, attack and defense. So I think... That's, if I were to manage the team, that's where I would look to plug and play Eric Garcia. We have a next question from Carlos. Can you discuss Xavi's penalty shooter decision? Why is Fran Torres the primary penalty ticker in the absence of Lewandowski when both Kessie and Rafinha are way better, way in capital? Now, this is a little polemica because from the body language that we saw yesterday, it didn't seem as there there was a, a list or a ranking of who was going to take the penalty kick because obviously Ansu wanted to take it, but Fran ultimately took took it and missed. And after the press conference, Xavi said that there is a list, but I don't know. I don't think there was a list. I don't I think it's one of those things they maybe didn't talk about or forgot to talk about. Because again, I agree with Carlos. I would much rather have taken Rafinha or Ansu or Fran. That's just my opinion. I'm not trying again, I'm not trying to pile dirt completely on Ferran, but Right now, I just think that Ansu is ultimately a better converter than Ferran has been in his career. So I just have more confidence in Ansu taking the penalty. And again, this is something that is going along with with Xavi becoming a manager. Like these are all these micro decisions that come. And if you forget something, you know, it could have been three points. You know, luckily, we were playing Valencia, who was hot garbage. Oh, my gosh, yesterday, they were hot garbage. They couldn't do anything. And as we were talking with our SF crew yesterday, you know, luckily, they're playing Valencia because their lack of efficiency of passing uh, was brutal (laughs) yesterday. They almost seemed like they were playing a man down at times, which is crazy because they're a professional football team. I was not impressed with Valencia. They, I'm really scared that they're going to go into relegation because they are, I think, second from the bottom right now. So, but again, these are these are the decisions you know from coaching experience. I imagine now today, Chabi has a list, right? Like a hardcore list, and probably just you know discuss this with the team going forward, so that all these little polemicas don't show up on TV. Yeah, you don't want these things to mount up. Taran. Now, this is a really good question for Taran. He wrote to me. And he just says, is winning enough? We are on course for the title and grinding results. At the core, this game is about entertainment. And I wonder if winning is now far more important than entertaining fans. Now, this is a great question because this is another topic we were talking with the fellow North American Kool-Aids about this idea. Now, as you know, my opinion is always, you know, Barca style through and through for La Liga. Let's get results for European Knights and Copa del Rey. And let's go from there. Now, we've been able to, the majority, use our style. But, Tom, we're in a transition right now where Chabi has to find the balance of style and winning. Because he knows if he doesn't win enough, he's out, right? And at what point does he sacrifice all that style and lose and then 
gets fired because ultimately that is it's a results business. Now, it is true it's about entertainment. And like as I pointed out yesterday, there were points in the match where I was thinking back, wow, what a difference in the men and the women's match, right? The entertainment of it. Now, I understand with the women, they have a much better team compared to the league. So they're able to entertain for the fans. And I understand right now where the men are. And this is just a rough spot. You know, as we talk about being fans of a sports team, a football club team, we're going to have peaks and valleys. And right now we're just in a weird transition where we are trying to find that style, but to also win matches. Now, Tarun, I would also push back a little bit and say, if we were continuing on the Europa League and we had another round and we played not entertaining football and we continue to win, then I would hold water in that argument a little bit. And I get it. It's really difficult sometimes to watch the men's when they are struggling the way they are because it feels as though they don't have that hambre for goal, right? They don't have that hunger for goal. And that's ultimately what we want to see. So this is a very interesting philosophical Barca question, I think, especially right now where, especially yesterday's match, for the last 15 minutes, you know, people were applauding that we cleared the ball. I can't remember that happening anytime I've been at the camp, no. But I understand the pressure that it is to win for Chavi. And I've been talking about this transition about modern football. We talked about it with these North American Kool-Aids too, is this idea of, you know, winning philosophy, when to do it, and when are you just trying to grind out results? It is an important question. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> I wish I could watch the matches at 2.0 speed. But this is just going to come. You know, these are, especially right now with injuries, these are the dog days, right? These are, this. you know, we always know that March and April and middle of February are always the hardest month for Barcelona because of the gauntlet of matches they play. Injuries, momentum, other factors. But again, if they win La Liga, you know, it's really hard to argue with the results. And that ultimately is the goal. We'll continue to philosophize about this as we go through the season because with the Copa del Rey second leg of the semifinal, we'll see how that goes. And ultimately, at the end of the season, we'll see how we mount up if we do win La Liga, if we win Copa del Rey. So great question, Darren. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Barcelona's next match is Sunday against Athletic Bilbao as they head north, actually north, it would be west for them, but north, north Spain, to the Samames. It's a Sunday night match, big match. We always know it's a difficult place to play. Valverde, he knows our system, so it'll be a really good matchup. And hopefully Barcelona get another three points because Madrid yesterday drew. So Barcelona right now are nine points clear. Everyone have a good Monday. We'll talk to you soon. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. 
So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.